It is Mindset Monday, and welcome to the Locker Room Podcast. It's D'Angelo Palladino. Make sure you hit that like button, man. You know what I'm saying? Help me get in that algorithm. Help me, you know what I'm saying? This, this, It's a lot of work, bro. You know what I'm saying? I need y'all's help. We're going to get there together. You know what I'm saying? But today, we're going to talk about the drug addiction and alcohol addiction in athletes. You know what I'm saying? And how to get over that. All right? Let's get right into it, man. We're going to talk right, right, after the, right after the intro. What's going on, y'all? We back at it. You know what I'm saying? We 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 <laughs> we right back at it. But look, bro. So I wanted to cover the the main reasons as to why this stuff happens. Okay. So generally, there's there's two there's two phases that this go that this goes into. So you have essentially athletes that get you know a, a, in a way addicted during their career. Okay. Then you got the athletes that get addicted after their career. Now, when you when you look at it. Both of them, they go hand in hand. And, and what I mean by that is that a lot of athletes, and it's been reported too. It's been reported. There's a lot of research. The studies are, are uh, in the description below. But a lot of athletes, they get, you know, on alcohol and on drugs during their career, right? So how many, how many people do you know, including yourself, especially in college, when you would go out every single weekend and that was what you did? You know what I mean? And that was just, you know, how you party with your friends and, and this, that, and the third. And it turned into, you know, at that point, it wasn't that big of a deal. At that point, it was just like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just partying. I'm, you know, I'm just going out and, and having a great time. Well, then it turns into your career is over with. Your career is over with. And then you you don't really know how, how else to stop. Now, now, with my issue, it turned into me going out every single weekend, literally ev- turning into every single day. Because as I've said it before, and as we know, as former athletes, the the identity that you had previously known, known yourself, it's gone. So so you're lost in trying to figure out, OK, like, who am I? So it's a coping mechanism. It's been reported in the uh, in the I forget uh, what what um, study that was. Let me check and see Oxford. It was Oxford that did the study. So generally, they said that. Um, it all it all spans from like stress, right? So so when you when you're playing sports, you're constantly stressed, right? Constantly, there's nothing that there's nothing nothing like it. Okay, you you waking up at five a.m. every single day, you're 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 busting ass, and and you're you're having to eat right, you're having to get great grades, you're having to do all of these things, and we don't see it as you know something that is taken over. We see it as something normal. We see it as, oh, we're just going out. We're just having a great time with our friends. But it turns into something absolutely crazy for a lot of a lot of athletes, a lot of athletes. And I'm not just saying this, bro. You, you can you can do research, G. You can do research and check this stuff out. We're going to cover Jordan, uh, Jordan Poyer's story where he goes into detail about about his situation. Let's let's hop into it. Let's hop into it. Let me share this screen. Let me share it with you. Add to the screen. Boom. Let's get it. 
this morning at two on your side original earlier this uh, spring bill's safety jordan poyer came forward about his decision to stop drinking last make sure you like and subscribe to the channel you know what i mean all the support i appreciate y'all you know what i mean everyone that's been supporting me so far um not it's like 98.1 percent of people that are that are watching my stuff aren't subscribed so make sure you subscribe and, and please like the video let's get into it last year and not long after that he reached out to our lauren hall with a little bit more to say so they sat down for a 40-minute conversation last week about his recovery and his new mission to help others with their same struggles this is what the offseason looks like for jordan poyer training golfing and spending time with his wife rachel their four-year-old daughter Aaliyah, and their dogs at their waterfront home in lauderdale by the sea florida now 30 years old and entering his ninth year in the NFL and fifth with the Bills, Poyer is used to this offseason routine. But this will be one that he'll remember for the rest of his life. I got a lot of people, fans, family, uh, friends that, that looked up to me. And, um, you know, I felt like yeah, I, I needed to take that step and, 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 and share with the world that, you know, I had, a, I had a problem. In March, Jordan posted on Instagram that he was celebrating one year since he quit drinking. This wasn't something he ever wanted to share publicly, but he decided to come forward after former NFL player Vincent Jackson died at 38 years old. I don't know if alcohol had anything to do with his passing, but I know that it had, you know, it had a huge effect on his life. And so, um, you know, I kind of sat there and, and pondered the thought of, of you know, you know I, I just wish he had someone to talk to, maybe someone like me. Boyer first started drinking in college at Oregon State University. Not a couple of drinks with me was getting lit. It continued into his pro career with the Eagles and the Browns before coming to Buffalo in 2017. Things came to a head during the 2019-2020 season. Jordan, was it, were you drinking like this during the season too? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was drinking during the season. Uh, I mean, obviously we'd have team parties, whatever, but I was, you know, during the... I would I would be in on off days. I was drinking, you know, any any chance that I had a, I had opportunity to have an excuse to feel like I was I could drink and be okay the next day and do what I had to do. Not a healthy lifestyle at all. That off season, he decided to make a change. Started drinking during the day for no reason, and then the next thing you know, I can't you know I can't function in the afternoon, and it's like it. <laughs> I definitely had a couple couple days where it was it was pretty bad. One of the moments that really stood out to me every time I look at the post is when you said you remember your wife, Rachel, crying, wanting you to put the, the beer bottle down. I said beer. I said beer in a nice way. And a lot of it sometimes is tequila, wine, whatever. I mean, I, there were times I would just drink whatever that I could just drink just, just to just get a little fix, you know, and I almost lost my family over alcohol. Now Jordan reaches for a sparkling water or a coffee in situations where he used to want to drink. And since opening up about his story, Poyer's found a new passion, talking one-on-one -on -one with people all over the world, going through his same struggles. Really cool story about a guy who said he's, he's, he's very successful, works at a bank, um, has, all, has house, cars, you know, wife, kids, has a family you could ever dream, dream of, um, comes home every night, gets drunk, you know, and he, he, he's regretting it the next day. And he said he's been doing it for 30 years. Uh, and he said he finally took some vacation off of work after I made that post and he and he checked himself into a rehab center. He's been going to the rehab center. I talk to him every day. So now it's his 29th day, I think, in the rehab center. The work doesn't stop here for Jordan, not for himself and not when it comes to helping others.
it motivates me to continue to spread 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 the word let then let these people know you know let the folks know that you know they're not they're not alone now it wasn't just jordan's family who supported him in his recovery it was also his bill's teammates and you'll hear more about their role in his story coming up tonight on channel 2 news at 6 p.m as well as more about his visits to aa so when you when you look at it right he's not he wasn't someone that you would really think would would get into anything like this Right. And neither did he. He's the kind of guy that's like, you know, he, he literally said it. It just it was, you know, just turning up, getting lit. And then it turns from that into to me literally getting get, at any chance that I could. At any chance that I could that I could drink, I would drink. And I'm just being nice to you. And I'm just saying that it's beer, but it, it could have been tequila. It could have been wine. It could have been literally anything that was in front of me. Anything. Now there are a lot there are so many athletes that struggle with this stuff. Now, now it might not be during and while they're playing, right? But the thing is is like I had said, when you go when you're constantly drinking, you're constantly having, you know, going out and partying and quote unquote having a great time, that stuff is very difficult to put down once your identity ends. Once your career ends, bro, it's like, okay, like who am I? Where am I going? Am I, am I still an athlete? Life's nope. like. So to cope with that, what you do is, is you, you grab your little drink, you grab your little, your little weed, your little whatever. And do what you, the same thing that you had done previously. The, the exact same thing that he done, you had done previously when you played the sport. And, the, and within the, uh, within that uh, study, you could check it. It says, um, it says that the majority of athletes really, they, they get in, involved in this stuff. And they don't really know how to, like, how to get out of it. They don't, they don't know how to get out of it. Now, I was one of those people. That's why, that's, why I'm, that's why this topic is very important. It touches home. And, and what I, whatever I can do to, to help other people, I, I, you know, I'm all, I'm all ears. I'm all here. One-on-one -on -one coaching down, down below. I'm not a professional, but I will do everything that I can to help you, Jake. Because the last thing that I want to see is somebody going through it this way. Because little do you know, it's making you more depressed. It's making you more sad. It's, it's, the, the negative thoughts aren't going to go away. Within that moment, they're going to go away. But the next day when you wake up, you're like, I can't believe I drank last night. Just like how Jordan, Jordan said here. He was like, bro, like, I would wake up the next day and I would completely regret it. There's days that I, I was drinking in the middle of the day and, and I couldn't even function throughout the rest of the day. And people do this stuff in silence. We do that. We don't we don't tell the world that we're going through these things or that or that we're alcoholics. You know, we don't we don't tell nobody that. Why, why would we go around and tell people that? And we're going to cover my dude, Marcus Randall L. Now, this is something that was a, a little crazier. OK, and this is this is the example of what happens. OK, when you don't put it down and you continue it and you let it go. So Marcus Randall L., his older brother, went to the NFL, and he didn't go to the NFL, okay? So put yourself in his shoes at that point. You already got, you know, these, these uh, people telling you, you know, you're not good enough, this, that, and the third, to go to, go to the NFL. Who knows? And it doesn't say if he, was, um, if he was on drugs previously or he was, you know, doing all this stuff previously. But there's, there's an aspect of once you're – as an athlete, okay, he played at Wisconsin. So as an athlete at that level – Tens of thousands of people at your game every single day screaming your name. 
to absolutely no one caring about you or who you are. You, you know the term, uh, the term next up? It's real. So once he ended and once he left, he's like, all right, bro, like, who am I? What worth do I have? What worth do I have? Who, who is Marcus Randall? And to fit into, into groups and to, to feel accepted, that's what he got involved in. Because the thing is, is as a, as a, as a, as a dealer, okay, as a dealer, what, what it is, is you have people that need you. You have people that constantly, constantly validate you. Every single, every single cell, every single day. So that's the number one thing that he got into. And that, and that is, it's very common that you could ask, you could probably ask any, any local dealer that you got and ask them if they used to play sports, whether it was in high school or college. But imagine, imagine having tens of thousands of people. Let's hop into, uh, into this, uh, to this here. And this is what he did. This is going to cover what he did and how deep he got. Let me share the screen with you. Marcus Randall. He is the brother of former NFL wide receiver Antoine Randall. He himself, Marcus, played at the University of Wisconsin. That's why I have the Wisconsin background there. Standout wide receiver. Didn't make it as far as his brother did, but he decided to get involved in illegal activity. And he was dating a woman by the name of Sierra Winchester. She is at the bottom right-hand corner. He was involved in a romantic relationship with her. And while he's out dealing drugs, you know, he thought he was some sort of kingpin, I guess. He thought, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> that he would have to deal with all types of informants and people coming after him. That he decided the best course of action would be to take her life. Not only take her life, but the life of her friend, Brittany McAdory. At the same time. So if you didn't hear it, essentially what happened was, okay, is he got spooked. So the lady that he was with, he was all he was so turned up and got so deep into into the game that he got paranoid. So paranoid that he thought his own shorty was after him. Now, this seems dramatic, but this stuff is real. He was just like me and you. Played college football, went to school, did his thing, and completely lost himself in life. And that's why, you know, and that's why this this stuff is important. That's why, that's why I was like, I gotta start this podcast up. I got I have to reach as many people to hear this stuff as possible because there are people out there struggling. And there aren't many people doing this stuff. The other people telling the stories, this, that, and the third, but there's not, there's not much direction and much, you know, re relatability. So that's why I came here, because it's like, bro, I needed this. I needed this. And, and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we in here. Like I always say, like and subscribe to the channel. You know, what I mean, helps helps with the, the algorithm, helps with, you know, getting it up there. All the support means a lot. Um, but we're going to go into the science behind it. OK, we're going to go into the science behind it. And I'm going to share the uh, I'm going to share the. Screen with you so we can. We can go through this article. We're going to go through this article so you guys can see just what I'm talking about here. Just in case you don't click the, the article and go check it out. All right. 
So I don't know if you guys can see this, but I'm gonna zoom in for you. Let me let me let me make it a little bit bigger. Zoom in. I don't know if y'all can see that. Can y'all see that? I hope so. Cool. So the title of this school uh, alcohol abuse and drug use in sport and performance. Okay, they got all kinds of information in here. Okay, that's the summary. Introduction. We we won't go through any of that stuff. But we'll, we'll start at the alcohol. Now keep in mind Jordan Jordan uh, Poyer's story in this situation. Okay. So it says here, and this was done by uh, Oxford. So Oxford scientists studied this stuff, and it's it, this is real life stuff. This is real life stuff. So make sure you tune in, like, and subscribe to the channel. So it says although few studies have examined prevalence rates of alcohol abuse and or other for forms goodness gracious other or other formal alcohol use disorders among athletes several students have examined rates of binge drinking or other indicators of, of risk alcohol consumption so binge drinking like i had said going out every single weekend having a great time after the games after the wins enjoying enjoying time with your friends you don't see that the deeper meaning to it and of it and what it and what it's really truly doing to you it says research has generally shown that younger adolescents so it's pretty much just saying like um like teenagers college kids okay participating in sports are more likely than those not participating in sport to report excessive alcohol use you see what i'm saying so the more you play sports you play, you play sports you have a higher risk of binge drinking and and having a great quote-unquote time Although this relationship may differ depending upon other contextual factors. For example, one study of more than 8,000 high school students in the United States found that participating in sports was associated with an overall increase in problematic alcohol use over time, but only for adolescents who did not participate in extracurricular activities like academic or music clubs. Another study of more than 3,000 Norwegian uh, adolescents found that sports participation was associated with increased likelihood of future alcohol intoxication, but only for those participating in team sports. Several large studies from the 1990s and the early 2000s showed that college athletes in the United States were more likely than those not participating in, form in formal athletics to report high-risk drinking and experience alcohol-related problems. Now, I'm like I said, I'm not just making this stuff up, bro. This is real life stuff, Jay. This is real life stuff. Wow. So it says in these studies, more than 50% of college athletes reported at least one binge drinking episode. Typically, an, a binging drinking episode is typically defined as five or more drinks for men and four or more drinks for women in a single sitting. Five or more. And more than 25% reported three or more binge drinking episodes in the preceding two weeks. Comparison rates from those that are not participating in formal uh, athletics were 38% to 43% for at least one binge dr drinking episode and 16 to 21% for at least three binge drinking episodes. College athletes were also more likely than non-athletes to report a host of academic, legal, and interpersonal difficulties associated with their alcohol use. Do you see what I'm saying? So on top of the, 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 the sports, on top of the, uh, the academics, okay, which is 
academics and sports, bro, that in and of itself takes a lot out of you. For anyone that's played, for anyone that's played sports, bro, in college, G, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sports in high school is, is simple compared to that stuff. Sports in high school is literally if it's if it's if it's season, it's season. But in college, it's 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 season all year round. Winter workouts, spring, spring uh conditioning, spring, uh, spring ball, summer camp. It's never ending. So you start to see a a uh uh, a decrease in your academics as well. It's crazy. So it says, and more recent studies show that college athletes at all co- uh, competitive levels, whether that's intramural, club, or varsity, engaged in binge drinking episodes more frequently than non-athletes. Now, when you think about this, okay, you can you can do the research on, you can go on TikTok, bro. I did this the other day. You go on TikTok and you can type in, um, Coach verbal, coach verbal abuse. Okay. The the mind games that they play with you at the, at the high school and collegiate level, depending upon how good your high school is, depending upon well, I, I guess not really depending upon how good your college is, because in college it doesn't really matter. Coaches are going to be assholes. Okay. In college, right, you get you get put in a situation where they play mind games with you. You're going to play. You ain't going to play. You're going to play. You ain't going to play. You're going to play all week and then it's game day and you don't play. Okay. Then you got literally ver- like direct verbal abuse. Not just, not just at one single person. It might be at the whole entire team. So a lot of athletes get into this stuff because of that same reason, either that reason or just the stress of it all. The stress of coping with uh, um, trying to manage all of the stuff at one time. It's like, bro. Like you're making me do all this stuff, bro. Like I gotta, I have to do all of this. I gotta make sure I'm here on time. I gotta make sure I eat enough. I gotta make sure I go to class. There's a lot that that you're putting on to to one person, and I mean I understand the the argument that they can say is, is you know this is what's been going on for so long, but just because it's going on for so long doesn't mean that it's that it's the greatest thing to ever happen. Doesn't mean it's something that is should continue. There has to be some give in 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 some certain way. But it's but it's crazy because you think about it like I was on a two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars scholarship. So it's like, you know, they expect a lot out of somebody that they're paying two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year. When you work at your job, the average the average person in the average in the United States across the board is sixty seven thousand dollars a year. Now, that's not to say like, you know, in some states it's lower, some states it's higher. That's just across the board. So if you're getting paid. $275,000 a year, G, you go on or throughout over a four-year period. I don't even know what that would be. 275 divided by four. That's a great question. 275 divided by four. 68, also 68,000. Yeah, a a little about the average. A little about the average. They expect a lot out of you. And it's, no, I'm sitting here thinking about it. That's actually, that's actually a scam. That's a scam. Why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? That is a scam. Think about it. You put you 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 work. If you if you make sixty seven thousand dollars a year, you work eight hours a day, forty hours a week. In college, you working way more than that. Now that's just my that's just my scholarship. Some of these schools are a lot cheaper. That's a scam. 
I should have done that before the before the live. I'm glad I just thought about that. I'm glad I just thought about that. Let's see. Let's see what else there is here. Performance enhancing drugs. We already know everything about that one. So yes, yeah, so here we go. The sport, the sporting context, alcohol abuse and drug and drug use. So it says research has generally shown that, particularly among adolescents, sport participation is associated with positive psychological outcomes. So the, what they're saying is, is you're drinking alcohol, you're you're taking these drugs because you're looking for a more psychological euphoria. That's pretty obvious. But you're it's since you're trying to escape your your, your reality. You're trying to escape what's going on. You have a lot going on. You're trying to manage it all. It says this finding extends to prevalence rates of some substances, cannabis and or other illicit drugs, where sport participation has been shown to be a protective factor. Yet for other substances, sport participation serves as a risk factor. Such contradictory findings illustrate the importance of understanding the roles various sport-related factors play in either promoting or inhibiting alcohol use and drug use. It is imp also important to explore such factors considering the ethical issues inherent in the use of these substances in sport, performance-hancing drugs, and the degree to which the use of the other substances can lead to unique negative consequences for athletes, such as failed drug tests, negative publicity, poor sporting performance. The list goes on. Several factors that are somewhat unique to the sporting context are discussed. So they're saying that, <clears throat> goodness gracious, they're saying that, you know, all of these, all this stuff, we'll be taking all this stuff, doing all this stuff, but we know what's going to happen. We know how it's affecting us. We understand how it's affecting us on the field and, and in, other, in other facets of our life. But as an athlete, you understand that and you know that and you remember that none of this really matter to you because you're like, all right, well, I'm still going to go out there and perform. I'm still going to go out there and, you know, and, and do what I need to do to at least get by. If you're not, you know, if you're not starting, bro, like, like for me, like I didn't start my whole college career. I played one game and I went off. That was the only game I played. That was the last game I played. So when you're, when you're like backup or you're third string or you're like, what, like, what is it called? Uh, scout team. When you're scout team, bro, you just like, all right, well, whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I don't, I don't really know what y'all, what, what more y'all want from me. I'm gonna give you what I got, and that's it. That's how it's gonna be. So you didn't really care. For me, it was just like I was just trying to get through the days. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to do too much because regardless of how hard I worked, it wasn't gonna matter. It wasn't gonna matter. So that's another reason. So it says the culture. So there's a culture behind it. There's a culture behind it, regardless of what anyone says. There's a culture. Now in this thing, it says, you know that. The culture is is mainly because sports and alcohol is is promoted together. Like when you go when you go on to uh, ESPN or whatever, you go to the bar, sports bar, whatever. First thing that you see is you know either Bud Light or 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 Corona or whatever, and it ties into it. That's what they're saying. Now my my rebuttal to that, I don't think that that's the case because I never said, oh, I'm going to drink alcohol and and I'm going to have a great time because that's just what I'm supposed to do. Honestly, it's the complete opposite. No one, no one, no, I don't think there's one athlete in the world. Maybe there's 0.001% of athletes that, that see it that way, that are just trying to fit into the, the realm of it. But generally, I would say that alcohol consumption comes from, is, is associated with fans. Because the bar is for fans. 
the 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 you know just alcohol in general is for fans when they come to the game they they, they buy a beer they don't associate it with with athletes maybe the wwe you know what i'm saying maybe wwe but i wouldn't say i would not say it it would be for athletes themselves that's kind of that's kind of a uh, a wild thing but that's what they're saying throughout this entire section here i don't agree i don't agree with that that's how i would say that they didn't do good research on that point maybe they didn't ask any athletes and talk to them directly i think there was just more of an assumption and generally these type of scientists these type of researchers aren't athletes that played in college they're just you know kind of people who just you know go through do what they need to do and and, and figure it out from there um but then it says performance related considerations so this is for the uh, performance enhancing drugs so we already know how that goes i don't know of anyone who has any any addictions to performance enhancing drugs but if you know anyone make sure you let me know make sure you guys like and subscribe to the channel you know what i mean i appreciate y'all support the uh locker room family telegram is in the in the link below in the description you guys can uh, check that out as well um but yeah let's continue so it says seasonal, seasonal effects it says a unique aspect of many athletes lives in lives in i said lives lives involves the yearly rhythms and surroundings their a competitive season although many athletes train year-round they have defined periods when their athletic performance is more salient and relevant so i know for me like for instance like we as soon as the season was over we already knew there was parties there was all kinds of stuff i forget what the event was that we did i think it was like a it was like a henny party or something like that it was right after, right after the season had ended but we we knew we knew exactly you know when to go and, and stuff like that that's pretty much what they're saying so if you play football, your your time is right after the season going into the wintertime. If yours is basketball, yours is right into the summertime, right around uh, spring break. You go and you you have a great time. Like that one dude, there's a there's a kid that um that went to Florida and he played for some like, you know, JUCO school in college and went to Florida. My boy got into it with the bouncer. So the bouncer was like, hey, bro, you got to leave ABCDFG. Well, he like, you know, pushes the bouncer or whatever, and the bouncer shoves him. Bouncer shoves him, and the dude starts running away. Well, then the bouncer chases him. Bouncer grabs him. He, bro, he grabs him and slings him over his shoulder. So the bouncer's like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, and the dude's like 6'7". The bouncer swings his arm back and smacks him right in the face, bro. <laughs> hits, him right in, hits him right in the chin. Then the kid gets arrested. So that, you know what I'm saying. So it's like literally right after the, right after the season's over, and his season had just ended. It had just ended. So that's what they're saying here. So all that to say, like I had said, bro, previously, all of this comes from you trying to have a great time, thinking that it's normal, trying to fit in, trying to you know go through it, and then once your career is over with, it turns into a big problem. Turns into a big, a huge problem that can be avoided that can be avoided then it talks about drug testing you know failing the drug test or whatever ethical considerations intervention and prevention so they're going to tell you how how to how to exactly go about this i'm going to tell you exactly how to go about this and there's there's a bunch of different ways okay so motivational enhancement interventions there are uh, alcohol and drug skills training programs there are contingency management, and there are twelve. There's a twelve-step program. Okay, so with twelve-step program, 
is is it's a, a mode of alcohol and drug abuse interventions most familiar to the general public. So so as going through this, we'll 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 understand and we'll we'll know what they're talking about. It says they are most frequently affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. They have historically been the most common route for individuals to engage in a 12-step program, but there are examples of individual interventions designed to facilitate the 12-step process. So it says, 12-step programs conceptualize addiction as a disease, and therefore complete abstinence is and complete absence is the desired outcome. Working a 12-step program involves a series of steps, which include behaviors such as admitting that one is powerless over addiction, asking God or a higher power to remove shortcomings, and carrying the step message to the other alcoholic addicts or addicts. Okay? So literally, what that what that is, is just saying, okay, I'm, I'm wrong. What I'm doing is wrong. A, B, C, D, F, G, this, that, and the third. Okay? So, the main, the, the, the main thing and how we can overcome it in general, okay, let me adjust this, uh, this microphone. The main thing and how, uh, how we can overcome this in general, okay, is like this has said, like this article had said and these, these researchers had said, you have to admit, bro, that, that you have a problem. Now, now not, not, everyone, not everyone is addicts, okay? I literally, I literally was talking to my girl the other day. We drove by a bar. And I said, I cannot believe that like these bars, these businesses know that they're taking advantage of people. Like they 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 are um like they're they're enticing their their addictions and making thing making things worse. Okay. Regardless, regardless of whether you say you're an addict or not, I think I think if you are a a, a social drinker, I think in a way you're an addict. I think in a way you're an addict because I know a lot of people that cannot hang out with anyone unless they're drinking. They can't go out to a football game or can't, you know, enjoy time with with family or friends without having an alcoholic beverage. Family reunions, alcoholic beverage. So step one is change your physical environment. If you have to move, bro, move. If you have to move from where you are and you know that the people around you or the environment that around you, right? Because there are triggers. There are certain triggers. Like if you're if you wake up in the morning and what what what, what could be a trigger, bro? Let's see. You wake up in the morning, and y- usually you you drink a beer, okay? And you, you, with your next door neighbor, you need to move. You need to move. That's a trigger because you know when you wake up in the morning, your 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 neighbor's right outside waiting on you. That might seem like a stretch, but some there could be somebody out there like that. Then there's change your social environment. So stop hanging out with the certain people you hang out with. I've already, I have a whole episode on that. Of stop hanging out with people that don't that are not conducive to what you want and what you don't want. We have a, we have a big problem in this community of former athletes, right? That we we just try to fit in with people. We try to 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 maintain friendships with people, but we we don't really need to. We don't really need to at all, especially when it comes to this stuff. Okay. And lastly, if you need to find help, bro, find help, reach out to somebody. There's so many things that you could, that, there's so many doctors, psychiatrists, therapists, associations that are able to help you out and, and get you help. They can get you help, bro. 
we have to change we have to to change as much as we can and the first way we can change is to admit that we have a problem that's that's the first thing we have to do that's the first thing so what can we do what, what what's this all about okay what's this all about so, so some things to note okay is if you true if you know you have a problem okay admit you have a problem and try to make change that is what that is that is what it's all about we all we all have we all have in some form or fashion binge drank turned up completely out of character a lot of us have these stresses that we that we are going through of, of whether it's loss of identity or whether it's you know not knowing your purpose or or whatever it could be I'm going to try to get um there's a YouTube channel called Addiction Mindset. I'm going to try to get him to to join the uh the channel next week and and go into deep detail about this and how you can overcome these things. So, let's let's try to get him on next week. You know what I mean? Let's try to let's try to uh to get that done. Um but yeah, man, you know what I mean? It's crazy. It's crazy. All this stuff that's happening, bro, and, and all this stuff that we that we go through as former athletes is insane. So we're going to continue to to push forward. We're going to continue to to turn into the best version of ourselves, and that starts right here every single Monday, right? Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Make sure you do everything that you can to be the best version and best man that you can be. All right, and we're going to be back on Wednesday. We're going to be talking about workout Wednesday. I'm going to have dropped some uh, information about it. You know, coming either tomorrow or Wednesday itself. Probably Wednesday. Got some uh, some reaching out to do to to some people. To, to get squared away for next week. But yeah, that's it for tonight. You know what I mean? Make sure you, you got you got your notes and, and all that good stuff. But yeah, that's it. And I'll see you all on Wednesday.